0: Let's a party, we will party hard. to another great edition of the sports show yep that's right that's not just any sports show that's not a sports show that is the sports show soon to be your mother's favorite sports show i'm your host jeremy the impact you're welcome in obviously there's a lot of stuff that has been happening in the nhl there's some other stuff going on here and there some news and notes i want to share but i want to start well, last Saturday, last Saturday, I got to knock something off. I, I don't call them bucket lists. I, just, I got to knock something off the list, something I've always wanted to do. And uh, not only that, it was everything and more. I know a lot of you are thinking, no, I did not order a Diet Coke. That That is, uh, don't do that. <laughs> I really don't drink sodas anymore anyway. But, no, I got a chance to see live rugby, live professional rugby. It was right here in Atlanta. It's actually down at Life College. Rugby ATL. They actually started last year. I was keeping up with them pretty good last year. uh, And then they got shut down about five games in because of the virus. Whole season got put on a halt. They started up. They started back up this year. Well, technically, they never stopped. They, The season started back up, and their opening game was last weekend. And before I get into talking about uh, the, some of the things that happened during that match, uh, first of all, I, I appreciate Rugby ATL allowing me to come down and check it out. Uh, like I say it was fantastic. And it's not just one of those, oh, this is new, oh, this is great, this is, you know, just, uh, uh, you, you're, it's great because you're, you're in the moment. No, it, even to now fantastic time to be had down there uh they're uh i think they're at about one third maybe a little more capacity right now they're hoping a lot of that opens up of course but for every fan that was there nobody left with a, a frown nobody was uh head down nobody was mad everybody had a good time there were vendors i know reformation brewery has been named the official beer partner of the team they were down there uh there were food trucks, uh, just just everything. It's, it's a, a nice setup where they are right there at Life College. And going into it, you know, I've been watching rugby for years on TV. So I, I can follow the action. I, I kind of have a, a pretty good understanding of what's going on, even if I don't know the exact name of the term of something that happened. I can still tell, hey, oh, that was offsides. Hey, that. They blew a whistle because this guy did this action that he was not supposed to do. It's like, for the most part, I could figure out what was going on. And what I couldn't, all the amazing fans around me were able to help me out. Because a lot of people think rugby is just... uh, I probably have jokingly said this over the years, which it didn't. It was jokingly. A lot of people said, oh, it's uh, just like... Super advanced Red Rover. Not necessarily, because the rules of Red Rover are is one team calls out another player on the other team and they try to run through, and if they make it, they take someone back with them. If they don't, they stay on the team. So, this is not that. This is, I think, one of the most primitive battles for the patch of grass in front of you. You're trying to advance the ball Past the defenders, through the defenders, if you have to, into the end zone, into the scoring area. It's a battle. It's not just a oh, who can run faster this way or that way. No, because you're almost every time gonna get caught, and when you get caught, you're gonna get hammered. To which hopefully you can pass the ball back off. Uh, they, you know, you can start try to start runs back up and things like that. But overall, it's a lot of people say it's barbaric. I, I would disagree. There is a purity to this game that uh, I saw when I first went to my first hockey game years ago. You know, you watch on TV. I get it. Some people are like, well, it's kind of hard to follow this, hard to follow that. Okay, I get it. Go see a game. There, There is a purity to rugby where you can see the strategy play out and you can see, you know, there's no nefariousness to it. There's no underhandedness. They're not trying to hide anything. There's no deception. For the most part, I mean, you know, you're you're trying to fake somebody out. So as far as, you know, running right and then running left real quick, there's that. But no, there's no even size matters to a point, but not always. Because you look at look at it this way. Uh the ATL squad had some size on the Toronto Arrows. But for a majority of this game, it was tied either at seven or at fourteen. Until ATL went ahead and uh, and got the final score to lead them to the 21-14 victory. I'll get a little more into that. But no, this is this is gonna I think this is why this is going to catch on in the Atlanta area. Because people are going to go watch it. And like I said, it's just, it goes back to that primitive battle of you versus me over this patch of grass. And when that battle's over, it's you versus me versus that patch of grass. And it moves back and forth and back and forth. It is super advanced tug of war if you really want to go that route. It's, you know, just because you got the momentum now doesn't mean they can't pull it back that way. And things can happen here and there. There's so much action going on. In a game of rugby, that uh, you're gonna miss a little bit of, but not you know it's just a minute here and there because you're gonna be looking on this side of the line something that. there's so much going on, but it's not overwhelming. I'm trying to describe this the best I can here, it is just it seriously is my squad versus your squad. It's the old playground, you know. My squad versus your squad, best squad wins. I'm trying to get past you. You're trying to get past me. Let's see what happens. And like I said, this is going to catch on, I think, in the Atlanta area and in the South. It's going to really pick up, I think, in the South after this. Because people are going to see rugby is about grinding it out. About pushing forward. About when things are trying to drag you down and keep you from advancing, that you keep pushing forward. every Every day that you wake up, you keep fighting the good fight. You keep pushing forward. That's rugby. The other team is trying to bring you down. The other team is trying to hold you back, keep you from achieving the goals that you set forth. In the game of rugby, that's scoring points. But you keep pushing forward. Nobody gives up. And to me, that's why there's such a purity of this game and why it's going to catch on. It's because people are going to see that rugby players are fighting hard like they do every day and they're going to identify with these guys and they're from all over the world. I mean, sure. There's Americans, there's Canadians, there's, uh, there's French players, there's German players, South Africa's huge on this Australia. It's, it's a global sport. It hasn't, it, it has a big global presence like soccer, like football, as the rest of the world calls it. But it's just not as well-known and popular yet. But it's going to catch on. I think the MLR do a great job. There is a lot going on in this league. I believe Toronto added last year just like ATL did. So they're, they're both relatively new. They, uh, they seem to have a little bit of a rivalry between them. I think they faced off last year in one of the matches before. Uh, the shutdown for the pause. But overall, my experience, I, 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 I give it a nine out of 10. Uh, I, I, and it's not because something was lacking or nothing like that. It's just, well, I'll tell you what was lacking the amount of fans. And like I said, it was not anybody's fault except for the parameters were set forth that only they could be a third capacity. I think when that place is full, Like they say it was last year, I think that place is going to be rocking. It's going to be some just fantastic celebrations and things like that. But the crowd that was there, unless you looked up, you didn't notice that it was at a third capacity. But I I think when that place is rocking, that place is full, that's that's a place you need to be. That's, That's probably one of the best tickets in town. You know, I always say uh, the best ticket in town is Atlanta United. The second best is probably the Gladiators. Right now, I, I, I got to think rugby ATL is, is up there. It's It's got to be close to that. Overall value, overall fun. You could take the family to this. It's not going to cost you a fortune. And Life University is just real easy to get to. From I mean, it's off a couple major interstates and a couple major highways. It's real easy to get to where the field is. But overall, that was my experience. Uh, you know, it, hopefully I'll see you guys out at some games. Because there's still, there's still one more Kennesaw game. There's Rugby ATL will be back in town. They're out of town this week. We'll talk about that here shortly. Next week, they'll be back in town uh, for another home game. Let's talk about this game. Uh, like I said, this was Lupo Field over there, Life University. Toronto, they played hard. I said they gave up a little bit of size to Atlanta, to ATL. But it was not, it wasn't David versus Goliath. No, these these guys, you know, it's it's in a, in a rugby scrum or, you know, when they lock up and everything. Uh, it's not just who has the most power. It's just like in football when, when two linemen go at it. It's... Who can get lower and who can get the advantage? So sometimes having sides is not always a good thing. Atlanta does a good job of of accenting the things they do well and and pushing those against the other team. But uh, you know Toronto comes up short. ATL gets the victory, twenty one to fourteen. Um, I know Chance Wągluski and Johan Monson had two of the three tries. I do not know who had the third one. I apologize for that. Uh, the other tries for Toronto were from Tommy De La Vega, the Argentinian superstar, and uh, Jack McRogers. Of course, uh, Bautista Escura had all three conversions, which are the extra point kicks to put them in better perspective for the football fans. The uh, And he had kicked those from the, these are, um, I would say, as to the effect of 35-40-yard Maybe 25, 30-yard field goals, but from, I don't know, 10 feet from the sideline, it's it's a pretty gnarly angle you have to try to figure out. But uh, he was able to nail those. The defense come up huge. They were known for their defense last year. That was something that I followed along. I I like that we are based on defense with uh, and knowing when to take advantage on the offense. Uh there was a scary moment because not only was I there to witness it, because this happened about fifteen feet to my left of where I was uh, uh right off the sideline watching the game uh and and it was even scarier on replay and when I say replay it's because when i when I came home, I watched the television broadcast got lucky this was on eleven live here locally and uh, I saw a different angle of it and uh my goodness but uh star ATL player Harley Davidson also the the when everybody looks at the roster the one everybody uh, identifies with quickly because of uh, the synonymous motorcycle company uh, him and a teammate were kind of running towards the ball at he was running up to catch catch the ball that was in the air kicked in the air Uh, His teammate was running towards him, uh, trying to play the ball as well. They uh, moved out of the way slightly, but tangled. It looked like a forearm or elbow hit Harley uh, towards the side of the head and neck area, uh, to which he he went down in a heap, stayed down for, I had to be 10, 12 minutes or better. But the medical personnel, as soon as it happened, immediately didn't wait for a stop in the action, jumped out on they got on top of it. Uh, got a lot of reports between there and now about Harley. Uh, he was alert. He was answering questions the entire time. He was able to move his hands, his feet, his his, his fingers, his toes, those things like that. And uh I, I think he's he's gonna be he's gonna be fine. I think he's gonna recover and uh you know it's it when people get hurt I always tell you guys it starts as a human element first. And the human element is that he recovers and he is healthy and happy and, and that. And then we will worry about the next time he's on the field. So you know thoughts, prayers All our well wishes out to Harley and uh, the ATL squad as well. That uh, you have a a speedy and as pain-free as possible recovery. And, uh, you know, look forward to seeing you up and at him again. Uh, That being said, I'm pretty sure they signed somebody this week. That's probably to take his spot at the current moment. I could be completely wrong. I'm still trying to break down uh, the roster so that I better understand it. But they signed Mark O'Keefe, who is a forward center slash wing. My guess is that that's pretty close to where Harley was on the field. If, uh, he was, he, kind of, he could have been defender at that point. But uh, they did sign Mark O'Keefe, who is a uh, super talented guy as well. And also, you're going to see a shuffle of rosters here and there anyway. You're going to have... You know, uh rugby's a lot like soccer and a lot like other sports where sometimes you can get national call ups and, and you get called to other squads maybe you're a part of or a bigger opportunity. So they signed Mark. I think Mark's gonna do some good things. You know, they're gonna play just uh five o'clock today. They are in DC to take on Old Glory DC, which I would say have one of the cool one of the cool names outside of rugby atl of course uh, they have one of the super cool names in the in the league i said that, that game's gonna be at five o'clock i believe you can watch it on the rugby go to go to rugby atl.com or rugby Go to that. Look for the information on there. It's like the rugby. It's not the rugby channel, but it's uh, a streaming website where you can watch it's like all the MLR action. I believe you can go back and watch previous matches and things like that. Go check that out. Uh, and uh, good luck to the team later on today. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna try to do what we do for other games. I'm gonna try to do some, some. Uh, Pre-game and post-game and, and halftime videos, uh, in and around the game, and uh, hopefully enlighten people either with my charm or to uh, tell you more about Rugby ATL. Because, uh, like I said, as you can tell, I'm, I'm over the moon about this. I, I look forward to seeing a lot of you guys out there. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna try to we're gonna try to bring rugby to you guys, and I think that's what Rugby ATL is trying to do. I'm going to try to do my part to, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of teams out there and there's a lot of leagues that want the fans to come to them. What makes soccer and what makes hockey and what makes lacrosse and what makes rugby unique as far as when I have, have, I have ran across them is that they try to go to the fans. The NFL does a good job of this. The NBA does a spectacular version of this. Baseball, that's another discussion. They they have their moments. We're going to try to bring the experience to you. We're going to try to bring the sport to you. And hopefully you guys enjoy it. Now, uh, let's get through a couple of these short notes, and then we will talk NFL. And we will be on our merry way because I'm going to talk about some things now today. And then, of course, The show next week, we're going to have a lot more stuff to talk about as well. Let's start. Uh, The the only major league baseball note that I really want to bring up is that former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, yeah, that guy, he's now on the Mets board of directors. Your follow-up question is probably the same as mine. What does that mean? Well, here's actually what it means. Initially, I said I have no clue, but no. What this means is that uh, Steve Cohen, the new owner of the Mets, wants to put together a board of directors. Or he had they had one, but he's wanting to he's wanting to, to surround himself with people who know about the community, know about developing things in the community and uh, the, the surrounding area so that he can better serve the people is, is a good way to put it. He can better set the Mets up for success and entertain the fans, can make them happy. I mean, obviously winning is going to help, but to do outreach programs, to do community projects, things like that. I think you, he, that's why he brings on somebody like Chris Christie, who has uh, a background in doing community things. Uh, in speaking and speaking out and things. And I think that's where he's going with this. So, you know, we're going to have to see what exactly materializes of it. But, hey, Chris Christie's on the Mets board of directors. Let's see what happens. At the very least, it's entertaining. Uh, The MLS schedule was released. Let me go over a few of the things of note for Atlanta United. They will open their season on April 17th in Orlando to take on Orlando City SC. Now, of course, we knew that. We've said that on a previous show. We've also said that they will have the home opener a week later for 24. That's April 24th. Chicago Fire will be in town for that. That should be fun. I don't know capacity-wise what they are looking at. My guess is between 40 and 50% at the moment. But, hey, it could be open by the time this starts. We shall see. Other things of note. Uh, they got a big match May ninth in Inter-Miami. That's in Miami. They will welcome the Philadelphia Union on June the 20th to Mercedes-Benz. Uh, they do a weird back-to-back. And when I say back-to-back, they go to New York City FC at Red Bull Arena. On the 23rd of June. And then four days later on the 27th of June. They will welcome in the New York Red Bulls. Yeah, that's kind of weird. Let's see. They will go to Cincinnati on July 21st. They have some weird road trips. Uh, They welcome in LAFC on August 15th. And, of course, you can go to either the Atlanta United app or AtlantaUnited.com or ATLUTD.com for this entire thing. I'm just trying to go over some of the bigger ones that stuck out to me. Um, looks like October 27th they will welcome and enter Miami and then Toronto the following week, and then they end the year on the road November 3rd at New York Red Bulls and at FC Cincinnati. On November seventh that's uh it's pretty cool. It's a pretty good schedule. We'll see what the team does of course with the new manager some new players rotating in and out there let's let's see if we can get back to those super aggressive ways that Atlanta United is famous for now. I can go ahead and tell you that today's KSU game that uh would have kicked off by now has been postponed. They were supposed to go to Gardner Webb and take them on, on the Bulldogs. It was postponed. Um I honestly do not know why it's postponed, but given recent weather and uh you know COVID concerns, it could be either one of those. But either way it has been postponed. My guess is the only way that it will be played is if it will matter for playoff contention or playoff seeding. Uh, the next game, of course, will be next week versus Robert Morris. Or no, Yeah, next next week versus Robert Morris. That is a home game at Fifth Third Bank Stadium. Uh, if they do pretty well there and then do pretty good against Monmouth on the 10th, I don't think there will be an issue. But if they need a little boost, they may try to reschedule that. Gardner web game. Now they were able to defeat Dixie State 37 to 27 last week. Of course, we wrapped that game. Talked to you guys about it a lot. Um, it seemed to me it was 20 to seven at halftime. They had the blocked field goal. They recovered a fumble on a on a punch a bad punch snap for a touchdown. Um, the run game was more consistent. And uh and, and I think Kyle Glover had a lot to do with that. He was he was having a pretty good day. I said at times, even coach echoed this at the press conference, at times Kennesaw was showing signs that their offense was looking a little more like it used to. But then other times it just it just wasn't there. But hey. The way college football works, you're going to gain people, you're going to lose people, and uh, you adapt. And Coach Bohannon is, is smart enough, or he's, he's beyond smart enough, and he's not naive. to. He's not trying, you know, now that he has Tommy Bryant and Jonathan Murphy, he's not trying to run it as though Chandler Burks is still here. You know, he's quarterback coach, he's not on the field. He's not trying to run – Shaq Terry as though he's Brunson Recksteiner. You know, he he knows the skill levels of these players and with the crazy mixed up virus cause protocol schedule he's been on, he's doing his best to prepare these kids every week. Now he even said, Hey, we're twenty to seven at halftime. It ends up being thirty seven twenty-seven. That means they got outscored in the second half. Twenty to seventeen. That yep, sound right? Twenty. Is, uh, yeah. A lot of that had to do with the fact that um, the offense not being able to sustain good drives and move down the field and 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 give the defense a break caused the defense to be on the field a lot more than he wanted them to. Because, like I said, they you know the defense and special teams they get. Uh a fumble recovery off a bad punch snap. The punter never even touched the ball. It was covered by KSU and ran ran back uh like twenty three yards for the touchdown. They blocked an extra point. They blocked a field goal. They it's every time they turned around, the defense was getting a big sack. They were causing pass breakups. They were doing a lot. And I'm not trying to throw the offense under the bus. They were having trouble against Dixie State, who was who was actually pressing them. A lot more than than I think they thought they would. But this team is three and o, and they've had a lot of close battles, but they're still three and o, and that's a lot better than 0 and three. That's a lot better than one and two. It's even better than two and one. It's simple math at that point. But like I said, uh, this team is every year is a different team. That's the way everybody should approach things. That's the way coach approaches it. That's the way we should approach it. This team is different. A lot of people say, well, uh, well, when Tommy struggles, we we should immediately uh, bench him. No, no, no. This has always been a quarterback tandem team. Even when Chandler was here, even when any of the other guys are here, it is about everybody's getting reps. Everybody is depending on the matchups. When you need to give Tommy a break, you put Jonathan Murphy in. Jonathan Murphy starts to move and make some plays. all right. you leave him in a little bit? And then you give him a break, you put Tommy back in. Tommy gets rolling again. It's the way this works. That's why all of a sudden, you know, somebody big on defense will make plays. And you look, and he's the third-string linebacker. He's uh, maybe he's the the backup strong safety. Maybe he's the starting left. You know, the starting left defensive end. Everybody is capable of making plays on this team. They are locked. They are loaded. It's unfortunate they didn't get to play Gardner Webb this weekend, but I feel like Robert Davis—I mean Robert Davis, Robert Morris—is going to have to come in guns blazing, no pun intended, next week because these Owls are going to be hungry. They wanted to fight this week; they're going to have to fight next week, and my goodness, this going to be a showdown. Uh, let's see, what else can we? Okay. There are some NFL notes that we need to talk about, and then we need to talk about the one the rest of you guys are probably talking about. Uh, The Rams announced a one-year deal with Deshaun Jackson. He gets to go home. He's from out that way, and uh, uh, good for Deshaun. That is, Deshaun Jackson is going to fit into the Rams pretty nice. They have a lot of uh, inside route runners. Cooper Cup is really good on the inside. Robert Woods is really good on the inside. They need that outside deep threat. Well, that's when you look at Deshaun Jackson and go, all I need you to do is run that way. And we got a guy in Matt Stafford that can get it there. We had a guy in Jared Goff that could, but Matt Stafford. And you got to think this is a Matt Stafford effect as well. Another personal, of Jared off but Matt Stafford uh, has a little bit more of a pedigree and new face, new arm, you know, new motivation. Sean Jackson looks and goes, "Hey, I'd like to play with that guy." So he is. Uh, Deshaun Watson's legal troubles just keep mounting up. Uh, last I saw, the cases against him there were about fourteen people involved in like twenty something cases. I'm not I'm not condoning what he may or may not have done. I want to put that out there because I do not tolerate and do not accept that kind of behavior. If he is guilty of these things, then he needs to stand accountable for them. But if you're his agent, his lawyer, this is how you need to approach it. You may have to settle all of these cases to get them off the books, so to say. The ones that you need to, you may have to settle. Now, that being said, his trade value keeps going down every day because the more we keep hearing about him, the less people are going to want to take that risk. Roger Goodell and the NFL are looking into this, and no matter if he settles every case there ever was, no matter if they get dismissed, if you find out everybody was lying, I doubt that many people can be. No matter what happens civilly or criminally, the NFL always reserves the rights to punish accordingly. And when they figure out his involvement in this, he may be missing some games next year. He may be missing uh, a lot of games. He may miss the season. We're not sure what's going to happen. We're gonna to have to see it play out. Uh, I wish to Sean the best, and once again, that if he if he is guilty of any or all of these actions, then he should be accountable. He should be held accountable, and I 100% agree with that. Uh, the New York Giants have signed wide receiver Kenny Galladay to a four-year, seventy-two million dollar deal that is eighteen per year. I believe about fifty-four of it is probably guaranteed, somewhere in there. And here's why this is big. So they've added a new tight end in Kyle Rudolph. They have added a new wide receiver in Kenny Galladay. They already had Evan Ingram. They already I mean, they already have some weapons on offense, right? They did need a number one. They could use another tight end. So they, they got those. They are telling Daniel Jones in year three, show us something this year or potentially by Thanksgiving. We're going to start moving on. We're giving you all the tools. Their offensive line is pretty good. They're getting Saquon Barkley back. Uh, You know, things are lining up to where either Daniel Jones can sink or swim at this point. I think he's going to be able to at least tread water. Potentially swim. I mean, he's not going to be Michael Phelps out there. But I think we're going to see a little bit of difference in Daniel Jones. And if he plays even as a middle of the pack. If he plays as a top 15 quarterback in this league with those weapons, that defense, you got a pencil in the Giants as potential favorite for their division. I mean, because who else is going to beat them? You got who knows what the world is going on in Philadelphia. I don't think Philadelphia knows what's going on there. The Washington football team that is contemplating keeping that name, okay, I don't mind if you do. It's What's to me, for one thing, but Washington football team actually has a kind of cool ring to it. They have Ryan Fitzpatrick, who is a super cool interview. He was on Ross Tucker football podcast. Check that one out. Not just the podcast, the podcast in general, but definitely check out the one that Ryan Fitzpatrick was on. Uh, They have him as quarterback. They have uh, Taylor Henneke. They've got some decent pieces. I just don't know that Fitzpatrick was the, the piece I would have went for. Panicky, I get, but I mean, you got to think they're between them and the Cowboys are, are going to be fighting over second. You got Dak back. If Dak's healthy and even at eighty percent, that could be interesting. Is can Zeke still run, or is he going to continue to run down? I think they need a they need to draft a running back in the in the draft, or maybe go get Frank Gore or somebody just just in case. Uh, the Cowboys have pieces. On paper, they have really good pieces. They still need eight or nine guys on defense. They still, I don't know about an overhaul, but if people on the offensive line will get healthy and stay healthy, that could be something for Dallas. I mean, you kind of look, and the, the Giants emerged last year as kind of a potential threat, and now they're kind of the front runner. And not only the front runner, who's chasing them? Washington? I don't, as good as Washington was last year, I I don't know if they can repeat because they should have kept Alex Smith. They downgraded the quarterback. Another personal Fitzpatrick, he's good, but I just, I don't think that he's going to give you what you need at quarterback. I mean, kind of pencil in the Giants. They have a good shot at the NFC East in arguably still one of the goofiest, weirdest divisions. Uh, speaking of Dallas, they have signed former Falcon Keanu Neal. Uh, this is another Dan Quinn hire. Dan Quinn's the defensive coordinator. He probably looks around. Okay, we need players on defense. Well, uh, Keanu Neal will come here. And so he did. That helps McCarthy. That helps Dan Quinn. And I don't like the big hits that Keanu Neal always tries to go for as opposed to just tackling the guy when he needs to or breaking up a pass. But... You know, I just said Dallas needs eight or nine guys on defense. Well, there's one of them. He, he's almost an instant starter, in my opinion. He, he pretty much walks in the door and takes over a starting job, and that makes their defense a little better. So we'll see what happens. Uh, the Saints have forfeited a sixth-round pick in 2022 and $700,000 for their COVID-19 violations things they uh, didn't do when they should have done. And uh, you know, that happens. And then the football world exploded yesterday afternoon. I had people blowing up my phone asking me what was going on, what is this and that. Well, let's talk about it first and then we'll tell ta- we'll say something. Um the Dolphins traded the number 3 pick this year to the 49ers for the number 12 pick, they basically traded first-round picks, Uh, a 2021 third-round pick, and two future first-round picks. That sounds about right to move up like that. So let's start there. I had somebody ask me, what do you think the 49ers are doing? Seems like they're drafting a quarterback. They're not going to get Trevor. Maybe they like Trey Lance. Maybe they like Justin Fields. Maybe they like Zach Wilson. Maybe they like Mac Jones. I don't know. Somebody like could have stayed where they're at and got Mac. I don't know. Seems like the 49 or so are getting a quarterback. They get the opportunity too. Every pick in a draft is is a coin flip or, or worse. Why not? What's a couple first-round picks to see to go get the guy you want? They saw something. So that out of the way what are the dolphins doing Well, the dolphins are moving back uh they move back to number 12 okay well whoever they're looking at they uh at, at this after this move i would say they're saying you know what we like this Tua a guy you know what we're going to move back and we're going to grab a really good player maybe a corner or something right outside the top 10 somebody's going to fall to us or maybe they like mac jones they too Not to be outdone, 15 minutes later, actually 17 minutes later, but close enough. The Eagles trade the number 6 pick and the number 156 pick, which doesn't matter at this point, to the Dolphins for the number 12 pick, the 123, and a first-rounder in 2022, a.k.a. one of the picks they picked up all ago. So the Dolphins trade out of the 3 pick and trade back in to the 6 pick. Okay, so let's start there. Let's start with the Dolphins. Why would they trade up back up into right outside the top five? Well, first of all, the Falcons aren't moving from four, and Cincinnati's not moving from five. And the Dolphins probably already knew that. Because the 49ers probably said, yeah, we didn't even reach out to the Jaguars or Jets because one and two were locked in, and we were talking to three, four, five, and you guys – had the better deal. So, what are the Dolphins doing? I think that they have um, a couple players in mind. I think at least one of them is a quarterback, maybe maybe a couple. And that outside the top five, knowing that one through four could easily be quarterbacks, five will not be because Cincinnati doesn't need one, unless somebody moves up. But I don't think they will. Cincinnati wants that pick because. Look, here's what Let's go to Cincinnati real quick. Cincinnati's looking at, well, if it goes quarterback, 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 we get our pick of whoever in the world we want. If we want a tight end, we want a defensive end. We want, uh, yeah, they can get a punter for all that matter. They can get whoever they want, five, knowing that everybody's going to be on the board because they don't need a quarterback. That's what the Dolphins are looking at at six. Okay, well, if it does go quarterback, 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 clearly Cincinnati's not going to take a quarterback. Whoever they pick, that gives us, the second best player on the board, or in case one of those other picks don't take a quarterback, let's say, let's say the Jets decide we're going to stick with Sam Darnold, we're not going to take a quarterback. Well, then one of those top quarterbacks are going to be left at number six. Miami can grab them, or if all of them go there, once again, they get the number two, the number two best player on the board. Because the first one will go to Cincinnati. The Dolphins are in a great position to help their team. Plus, they picked up so many picks and so much draft cattle in the next couple years. They can build this team however they want. With Tua, without Tua, they can flip it upside down. They can overhaul the roster in two years. Whatever they want to do. So now let's go to the third, I guess fourth, well, the third involved in this. The third team. The Eagles. They trade from six to twelve. What are they saying in going six to twelve? Well, they're saying they are out of the main quarterback market. Maybe if they like Mac Jones, they they take him down there. That would be interesting to have two Alabama quarterbacks. Or maybe they're telling their Allen their uh, Alabama quarterback that in you know, in Jalen, maybe they're saying we want you to be the starter or to be the guy. So we're going to move down and help build the team around you. I know John Kincaid, big-time Philadelphia homer. Well, he's never, not really a homer, realist. He has, He's as befuddled as the rest of us on this, what the Eagles are doing. But what do I think happened? I think the 49ers are never afraid to take a big swing, just like the L.A. Rams, who they're in the division with. So they're going up to get their quarterback. What are the Dolphins doing? The Dolphins are going to hang around the top five for either what slips through the top five, or for them to uh, make a big move and get the guy and get the guy they wanted all along. What are the Eagles doing? I think they're trading back. They grabbed all that draft capital because they need they need warm bodies. They need people to fog up a mirror. They need people to quote Chael Sonnen. MMA analysts, they need people with the sense that God gave geese. So they decided, you know what? I don't think we're necessarily in the quarterback market right now, although next year, they say next year's not looking good. We don't know. One of These, these kids are going to emerge. The reason we don't know is because we didn't see them play last year. Somebody's going to come up to the top, and somebody's going to come out of nowhere, they're going to be there. The Eagles are moving back. They're saying, "You know what? We're going to go with Jalen. Maybe we bring in a, a an Alex Smith as a backup to compete. That's not a bad idea. Bring up some veteran, something like that, to maybe help him out. And we're going to build this team around him. We're going to build this team around him. So, or we're going to build the team. And if he fits, he fits. If he doesn't, he doesn't. You know, that's what they're doing." That's just 100% what they're doing. And here it is. We thought this would be a short show, and we are topping the 45-minute mark. But this is what happens when new things hit my radar, like Rugby ATL. When the things we're already looking into, you know, KSU, Atlanta United, Georgia State's got a spring game coming up. They have stuff going on. When... uh, Fun tidbits, like Chris Christie on the Mets Board of Directors comes up. And then the NFL. They're always going to have us talking. They're always going to have us thinking about them. But I'm thinking about uh, going to get ready to watch the rugby ATL game coming up here soon against Old Glory DC. 5 o'clock. It's not the Rug Channel. It's Rugby Network or something like that. All the links are all over all over the Internet, all over Major League Rugby site, all over Rugby ATL site. But well, that's going to do it. Shout out to all you amazing people who let me come on each and every week and rant and rave and jump up and down and cause such a ruckus because sports is part. Sports is part of everybody's life, and I'm glad that I'm part of your life. But I'm Jeremy, the Impact We will see you guys on next week's show. Deuces, gooses.